0: Hello everyone and welcome to this week's second episode of The Growth Project, as I promised. We're going to get stuck right in today. Um, We'll be trying to answer the question, Would you send your child to a private school? And on the face of it, this seems to be a quick yes or no answer. But hopefully in this episode, you'll realize that this is actually a multifaceted discussion that requires consideration of two strong sides that may both bring forward nuanced arguments. It's first important to define exactly what I mean by a private school. Um, as you'll have noticed, as a common theme in my podcast, I'm quite pedantic about defining the key words in the title for the purposes of clarity. And in the UK, we're blessed with quite a confusing education system with many different types of schools. But the ones that we'll be focusing on this episode are, first of all, a state comprehensive school. And these are funded by the government and they have to follow a national curriculum that is set by the government and these are the most common types of schools with the vast majority of students attending them. Then we have private schools, these are schools that are independent in their finances and also in their governance and what this means in practice is that they charge fees for attendance and they do not have to follow a national curriculum that is set by the government. And lastly we have public schools and and these are probably the most confusingly named because they're not public in any way and in fact it's rather the opposite. These are a branch of private schools that are even more independent and rare. In fact, in the UK, a public school previously only referred to one of seven private schools that were given independence by the Public Schools Act of 1868. They are more expensive than private schools, and as a result of this, they are typically associated with the ruling classes. For example, in 2010, over half of cabinet ministers in government had been educated at one of these seven so-called public schools. Now... It's clear by the differences that exist in the running of these different schools that there will be a different standard of education that's offered in each and a large part of this will obviously be the amount of money that a school makes or, or it receives and is thus able to spend on the governance of that institution so if we start off with state schools They are obviously funded by the government and therefore the amount of money that it receives is completely dependent on what the annual budget looks like and how much of that money pie is given to the education system. The reality is that, especially in recent years, the amount of money that's allocated to the education system is decreasing and quite dramatically. So the money that a school receives will actually depend on how many pupils it attracts each academic year. And in in the 2018, annual reports on education spending in England it says quite clearly that each secondary school receives £6,200 per pupil and there's an issue with this system and the issue is that it leads to sort of a cycle whether that's good or bad for that school so for instance a school that has high attainment for example um, for, for instance it has a high percentage of A star to C at GCSE will be able to attract more pupils because of its high rank in the school leaderboards. And this has two consequences. First of all, it will allow that school to have its pick of the bunch and thus essentially select those pupils that they deem are more likely to be able to achieve a pass at GCSE. But the second consequence is that the more pupil it attracts, the more funding it will receive because of the system that I've just explained. And this will allow that particular school to keep guaranteeing its own success. On the other hand, A school that's underachieving, which could be for a variety of reasons um, that are usually external particularly the location of that school and therefore the kind of pupils that are attending the school will be on the other end of the stick. It will have no ability to be selective, it will simply take whatever student it can get so that the government pays them for that individual pupil and therefore the high achieving students will continue to be picked by the so called good schools and the underachievers per se will continue to attend these low achieving schools and the cycle continues and that helps explain why some but not all schools might be stuck in a cycle where they aren't achieving very high grades but the important thing to note in that in that explanation that I've just given is that even though these schools are getting good grades and managing to receive funding they will not be able to compare to private or public schools. This is because these schools will charge each pupil for attendance for each term. And the, fields and the fees that they are able to gather are much higher than £6,200. Um, to give one exceptional example, we have Eton College, which is a world-renowned public school in London that's educated 20 British Prime Ministers, including our current Prime Minister actually, Boris Johnson. And Eton College charges £42,000 a year. And so obviously that school will be able to, to spend £42,000 on each of its individual pupils and inevitably they'll have access to a much wider array of extracurricular activities, which is why if you watch, for example, a documentary on Eastern College, you see that they, they get stuck in with lots of things, many different sports, they're able to play different instruments. Uh, they, can, they sometimes they do singing, dancing, acting, um, speaking sort of ancient languages like Latin or Greek. And, and what that means is that they generally are just more attractive to universities and just generally more attractive to employers in the future. But I do admit that this is an exception, £42,000 isn't the norm. But the the average fee for attendance at a private school in the UK is just over £17,000 a year. And even that is still nearly three times the amount that a state school receives for each pupil. So, I've thrown a bunch of figures at you, but what do these numbers actually mean in practice? Well, put quite simply, it means that pupils in private schools tend to achieve better qualifications than those in state schools. Obviously, there are a number of reasons for this, and having studied the education module within A-level sociology, I can say that there are a number of both internal and external factors that will influence a child's achievement. Internally, there is obviously the reason that is the subject, the substance of this podcast, the type of school that the child attends, whether it's a state school or a private school, but there are also a multitude of external factors that will influence that child's achievement. And studies quite clearly show that the social class background of a pupil is the most important determinant of their achievement. The fact that a child is able to attend a private school will quite obviously mean that their parents have the means to send them there because we've quite clearly seen that it's very expensive to do so. They are thus like, likely to be middle class and thus have the cultural capital to pass on to their children. Middle class parents are more likely to value education. They're more likely to have professional qualifications themselves and are thus more likely to have a very positive influence on their child's attainment. So we can see that these children that attend private schools have a much higher likelihood of succeeding within the education system. And this is backed up by many statistics that show a private school child is better off at every stage of the education system. A privately schooled pupil is six times more likely to achieve an A star at GCSE one-third of privately-educated pupils achieve three stars at A-level compared to one in ten of state school pupils. And if those don't demonstrate the point enough, Cambridge and Oxford, which are ranked first and second in the the university leaderboards in the United Kingdom and amongst the best in the world, recruit more students from eight private schools than the other 3,000 state schools in the whole of the United Kingdom. So, it's very clear that privately-schooled children often gain better qualifications than their counterparts in government-funded schools. And the reality is we live in a society where those qualifications hold immense importance in determining your future life chances. If you get high A-levels then you can go to a top university where then you can go on to a high-paying career and the cycle continues with your children and their children. And I've given you all this knowledge about the disparities between private and state education. But we haven't answered the actual question of the podcast. Would you send your child to a private school? We obviously make the, the assumption from the, from the beginning that you have the necessary means to do so. So your income is high enough to allow you to pay for it. And again, on the face of it, it seems like a no brainer. We have very clearly seen with the statistics that I've shown and the things that I've said that privately educated children outperform their counterparts at every stage of the edu- education system. And so as a parent, if I had the means to send my child to a private school, it seems that it would be the best choice because it gives them the best chance to get those qualifications that may help them face life and face it successfully. And honestly, that was my opinion until very recently when I had a conversation with a few good friends of, my, uh, good friends of mine back in Cambridge. And one of my friends was very strongly against sending their future children to a private school. And the reason was that it was against his moral views so i was pretty confused i was i asked him to explain and his reasoning was that for every penny that he pays to the private sector he's essentially putting down a capable pupil that attends a state school whose family might not have the financial means to send them to a better school because at the end of the day the mere fact that a child attends a good school a good private school does not necessarily mean that they are particularly intellectual or even hardworking. It's a simple reflection of their social class background more often than not. But what it does mean is that they will have the benefit of a higher standard of education and are likely to leave the system with better qualifications and in the future they'll be compared directly to the thousands of students that didn't have the privilege of this higher standard of teaching. Because the reality is that when an employer looks at two candidates and the privately educated one has better qualifications than their counterpart who is educated as state comprehensive it's very unlikely that the employer will take into account the disparities that existed between the two individuals. For that reason, my friend was completely against the idea of private education. And this got me thinking. It got me thinking quite a lot because as someone who was educated in a state school and was fortunate, fortunate enough to have sort of the right guidance to be able to make it to, to read law at Cambridge. I know that I am very much part of the minority and that the majority of people do not end up in such positions. I was also lucky enough to attend a relatively good school in comparison to others in the borough, but I do know that going to the wrong state school can be detrimental to a people's life chances. I mean, we would look at those within the state schools that I went to at least, we would look at those who went to private schools and think that they were very privileged and essentially spoon fed in comparison to us. Who, who had to deal with a lack of resources, the struggles of growing up in a working class neighborhood and the lack of drive and motivation in the pupils around us. And that's the reality of attending a state school. And for that reason, my friend's opinion really resonated with me. I suddenly couldn't help but feel that the money that some people's parents were paying for private education was in fact being used to put me and my peers down. We did attend a state school, but that didn't mean we would not have the potential to achieve what those in Eton or Harrow would actually end up achieving. We just didn't have the money in our pockets to pay for a fast track to that success. Did that change my opinion on whether I would send my child to a private school? The truthful answer is I don't know. Because as much as we might not want to admit it, we live in a society with much inequality and just one form of that inequality exists in education. That is something that does not require much debate. But, as an individual, how do I choose to react to this information? Am I willing to manifest this educational inequality by sending my child to a private school in return for an improvement in that child's life chances? You see, I have difficulty answering that question, because inevitably, if I was to become a parent, my perspective might change. The extent to which I might want my child to succeed might mean that I wish to guarantee that success in any way possible. And the truth is, is that one of those ways in in our unfair society would be to send my child to a private school. We've already seen the statistics on how their levels of success vary. Another reason why I have a problem answering this question, however, is because where do we draw the line? If we see private education as a way of manifesting inequality, then where does that end? Is sending my child to the best state school by moving into its catchment area another way of producing inequality? Because not all state schools are necessarily bad, it's important not to think, think that's the case. For, for example, Brampton Manor Academy is a state school in East London and in recent years it's received a number of offers for its students to study at Oxford and Cambridge that is unprecedented and unmatched by any similar school. So in 2019 they had 41 offers and this year they have 51 and, and those are offers for, for their students to study at Oxford or Cambridge. And coming from a school where my my actual year group had three offers in the year this year has set the record with eight. So those are some cr- absolutely crazy numbers. But the point is, is that isn't sending my child to the best state school in the country or paying for private tuition when they aren't doing very well in the subject. Just other ways of manifesting inequality. Because my child's place would be taking up that of another child whose parents cannot afford to buy a house in the local area of this amazing state school. And they would thus have a much slimmer chance of being granted a place. You see, it seems that we live in a society that is fundamentally unequal, and one form of that is within the education system. Any parent would want to see their child succeed, whatever success may mean from their perspective. It could mean earning a lot of money, having a great job, going to a great university, or simply having a nice house. Everyone has different definitions of success, but the common denominator between all these modern notions involves an aspect of succeeding in the education system. A person with poor qualifications will find it much harder to achieve in the traditional sense of achievement and therefore parents will inevitably try to boost their child's chances of success. There are a multitude of ways of doing this that can be put on a spectrum. On one end of the spectrum we have sending your child to a private school, but we should not see this as the be all and end all as there are many other ways that a parent might try to improve their child's life chances. For instance, they might try to move to another new house in order to live in the catchment area of a very good state school. They might enroll their child in many classes outside of school for music or sports or drama. They might pay for private tuition to improve their child's grades. All of these things recreate inequality in one way or another because they give one student chances that another student cannot have simply because their parents cannot afford it. So where where do we draw the line? That very much depends on your own moral compass and it seems that the debate becomes a balance between your moral beliefs and your desire for your child to do well. Therefore, I would not consider the fact that I'm putting down another publicly educated pupil as the reason why I would not send my own child to a private school. However, what I would consider is my belief that those who are privately educated are often out of touch with reality, a reality that is best learned in a state school. The differences between a private school and a state school creates divisiveness in society. The students in a private school live in worlds apart, with with scarce interaction with ordinary people. And even more problematically, they see these ordinary people as being inferior. And this is even more true of public schools, which I mentioned before, which are also boarding schools, so the children live and only interact with others that are exactly like themselves. This creates social seclusion between them and the rest of society. The problem with this is that these people go on to create an elite ruling class. The Sutton Trust found in 2007 that over half of 500 people holding leading positions in law, politics, medicine, journalism and business were privately educated. And as I've previously said, another example is that many of these private schools go on to create world leaders with Eton College producing 20 of our British Prime Ministers and a handful of Nobel Prize winners. The fact that these individuals are so secluded from reality yet go on to take such important positions is worrying because it means that power is in the hands of those who don't necessarily understand everyday struggles. Attending a state school means that I count my blessings every day for the position that I'm in because I'm very much aware of the fact that we live in a society where some people are struggling to put food on the table, clothes on their back, or a roof over their head. I would want my children to understand this too and quite frankly, receiving a private education will put them very far from these very real and pertinent issues. The inequality in the education system will not disappear magically until we completely abolish private schools, because they create a society where some parents are able to buy a better future for their children, and while that's something that might be attractive to a parent, it is wrong. Our future world leaders should come to the positions because they are able, and not because they attended a school that offered a higher standard of schooling. Other than the scrapping of all private schools, I think the government budget allocation for education should increase, This would allow schools to invest more money in each pupil in a way that would allow them to have the same level of extracurricular interests as those who are currently attending private schools. This might include the ability to play an instrument at a high level, to sing, dance, act or even to speak a foreign language fluently. The importance of education is not being recognised by our government if their budget educations are barely allowing schools to afford the compulsory textbooks and sport equipment. I truly hope in the future the only determinant of a child's success will will be their ability and not the colour of their skin or the amount of money in their parents' pocket. Thank you for listening.